Well, good morning. We are so glad to be here and uh, love. Man, you guys have incredible worship. Uh, really, really good. Uh, so good job, Jeremy. You knew, you knew you would, though, because Jeremy was our favorite guitar player. Uh, when he first came to Radiant, uh, he was a worship leader. He led worship in youth, and, uh, and then he led uh, worship uh, in our church occasionally. But he always played lead guitar. He was my favorite guitar player. And Jared was my favorite drummer. And when God spoke to his heart about planning this church, the biggest hindrance I had in my heart was, Lord, I'm losing my favorite guitarist and my favorite drummer. I know that's really selfish, but I, I love watching Jeremy, or, uh, Jeremy lead and uh, Jared play on the drums. And uh, it's good to be here. Feels like family. And uh, we love all of you. My wife Jane is here with me this morning. And like Jeremy said, uh, this year, actually, in September, we'll turn 20 years old. Uh, Jane and I were uh, 12 years old when we started the church. Amen. Uh, <laughs> actually, uh, we were, I was 24 or 25, and uh, we started in a little school, a little cafeteria, and uh, had about 70 people show up our first weekend. And we never really had explosive growth, but, you know, God has been faithful every single year as we just consistently uh, set our heart towards moving church forward and expanding the kingdom of God. God's continued to be faithful to us, and here we are 20 years later, and you guys are part of something, uh, we're all part of something bigger than ourselves. Number one, the kingdom of God, that's a good thing to be a part of, right? Amen. But then uh, also part of the Radiant Church movement, uh, you guys were the first church, the first Radiant that we uh, launched a few years ago. Then after that, Mike Popenhagen got big ideas about going to Jackson, so he planted. And then uh, we restarted a church in Ludington. And then this uh, last year, we started a church in Kentucky. How many know Kentucky, especially basketball fans? How many know Kentucky needs Jesus? <laughs> and uh, so we decided to start a church in Kentucky, and uh, they're blowing up and doing phenomenal things. And we've got some other cities, some other communities on our hearts and on our minds that. Uh, We'll keep you uh, tuned into, but we just want to say this. I don't know if you know this because sometimes you can be so close to something that you don't realize uh, how great it is, but you have, I, and I believe this sincerely, one of uh, the greatest leaders, pastors, uh, Jeremy and Anna Brown are some of the best, best people, some of the best yeah. leaders, uh, yeah. just passionate about Jesus, faithful to Jesus, people of integrity. They love you. They're talking about you all the time. They are committed. Uh, Jeremy is one of my heroes. He has been through some battles from the day that he said he wanted to start a church. The enemy has just come against his health, but his faith has never wavered. God's been faithful. And Jeremy, we are just so proud of you and Anna, and we love you and we love the church. And so it's an honor for us to be here with you today. I want to talk to you about um, something that God has been speaking to me about uh, individually over the last couple months. Uh, he's always kind of talking about these things. The word's full of what I'm going to talk to you about today. But how many know that at certain times in different places, especially as, you're, as culture and you individually are going through some things, God will highlight some things of the word and really bring it up to us. And the, the area that God has really been highlighting for me is the issue of identity. How we see ourselves. Uh, you know, I think that identity is one of the biggest, one of the, the most important issues that as followers of Jesus we can have a clear understanding about because whatever you see yourself as, whatever identity you connect with will also determine your destiny that you finish with. Yeah. 
Identity and destiny are so intertwined. It's interesting to me that when Jesus began his earthly ministry, you know, Jesus, the word of God, came to the earth as an infant, uh, as the creed says, that conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. That's the first miracle that our faith was built upon, was the incarnation. And then it says that Jesus submitted himself to his mother and his father. So here's God in the flesh submitting to a mom and a dad, growing up. The Bible says that he grew in favor and stature and in wisdom with both God and with man. So Jesus had to grow up and he had to understand who he was. And what we know is that Jesus really, we don't hear much about him until he's 30 years old. We see a glimpse of him at 12. He's in the temple. His mom and dad had decided to go home. And uh, a couple days later, they realized Jesus wasn't with them, and they went back to the temple. How many know there was a little conversation between mom and dad and Jesus that took place? And uh, Jesus is in the temple, astounding the leaders with his wisdom. And he says, would you not have guessed that I would be in my father's house doing my father's business? So we know that Jesus understood himself to be the son of God. But we don't see him until he's really about 30 years old, stepping onto the scene. The first time we see Jesus stepping onto the scene, he finds John the Baptist, who's baptizing. He submits himself to John the Baptist to be baptized. And as he's doing it, he says, do this so that all righteousness will be fulfilled. The heavens open up over Jesus. The the Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a dove, lights or lands upon Jesus. And a voice comes out of heaven that says, This is my son, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, how many would have liked that to have taken place at your baptism? Can you imagine? (laughs) Pastor Jeremy baptizing you all of a sudden, the ceiling opens up at the YMCA or wherever you're doing it, and a voice comes out of heaven, you know that big booming voice? This is my son, Luke, I am your father. And, you know, God speaks identity over you and lets the whole world know who you are. Everybody who is standing there understood in that moment something powerful has just taken place. This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So God says this is who he is and immediately it says that he was driven into the wilderness where he was tempted for 40 days. And he was tempted and the way that the devil came and tempted Jesus was this. He starts right off with it in Matthew. He says, if You are the Son of God. Now, wait a second. God had just told him who he was. He said, this is my Son. Now, how does the tempter show up in his life immediately? By challenging his identity. And you know, that's exactly what takes place in every one of our lives. God has spoken. Here's the good news. You may not have heard an audible voice over your life, but it doesn't mean that God hasn't spoken over your life. Just as much as God defined Jesus' identity as the Son of God, beloved by Him, in the same way God has spoken over your life. If you today have made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, if you believed in Him as the Son of God, crucified, dead, buried, and raised from the dead, ascended on high and Lord over all, if Jesus is Lord of your life, God has spoken over your life. God has declared who you are. And I want to encourage you, turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 today. If you have your Bible, you can turn, either turn it on on your smartphone or your whatever you got, uh, or you can actually look in, it in an old-fashioned paper Bible. Amen. Come on, how many of you have a paper Bible? Amen. Anybody got a paper Bible with you? Raise it up if you got a... Come on, wave it in the air. Come on, wave it like you really do care. 
Hey, hey. All right. Now, if you don't have a paper Bible, I highly recommend them because you can mark them up. So that's a little service reminder from the American Bible Society. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says this. This is Paul writing to us. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sakes, he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I love the opening line of that, that we no longer identify, we no longer Uh, know people or regard people just based on the flesh well why don't we regard people based on the flesh why why can't we determine who somebody is based on what we see because isn't that all that there is what paul is saying is that what you see in the natural is a shadow merely a temporal shadow connected to our identity the real part of who we are has to do with what god has done in jesus christ and it is spiritual it's transformational, and it is eternal. Amen. Your body changes, your mind changes, your attitude changes. How many know that we all change our mind and our opinions from time to time? Just how it is. When, you know, I was uh, a child of the 80s. Any other product of the 80s in this room? Come on, feeling totally rad and tubular this morning? In the 80s, my opinion was, I'm going to wear Sean Cassidy feathered hair. So I had the big, like, wings growing over my ears and... Long And we wore double shirt collars, double polo collars, and bugle boy jeans, and members only jackets, and polo everything, and uh, listened to 80s music like Poison, and Van Halen, and Journey, and Foreigner. Went roller skating on actually skates that had four wheels. And I mean, that was the 80s, but we changed. Now, in the 80s, everybody was concerned about their image. Everybody was concerned about, you know, looking right. And looking right was that you had the big hair or you had a mullet, you know, business in the front, party in the back. (laughs) And so, you know, in high school, I shaved my sideburns off, like right over my ears, and then had lines shaved in it, and it was spiked on top and long in the back, and a friend of mine had it permed in the back, so it was like poofy curly in the back. When he walked in the hallways, everybody was like, dang, his hair is rad. <laughs> and, you know, you would wear 80s garb and everybody, think, you know, girls wore all neon leg warmers, little bracelet, jelly shoes and all that kind of stuff and Madonna makeup. <laughs> and if you, wore, if you wore that in the 80s, you were, your identity was cool. I dare you to wear that today. <laughs> I dare you to wear that today. What's changed? Everything's changed. People's opinions change. 
See, in this world, everything that you see, the Bible says what we see is temporal. But what is unseen is eternal. And what Paul is saying is if we merely limit how we view and identify one another and how we judge one another based on what we see in the flesh, we're missing out on the real thing. What the real part of us is what Christ has done. If any of us is in Christ, the Bible says we're a new creation. Old things have passed away. And behold, everything has become new. All this is from Christ. You see, I really believe that a lot of us as Christians uh, and our culture as a whole is suffering from an identity crisis. It's because we all sense that there's something more that we can't see with our eyes that we're supposed to be a part of. We all know that there's something deeper than the flesh and deeper than trends and deeper than fashion and deeper than, you know, the lines that divide us, whether it be Republican or Democrat or black or white, or you name the dividing line in our culture, there's something that I think everybody, you don't even have to be a Christian to identify. We know that there's something deeper, unseen, below the surface that's more real. We just can't find our way to get there. So we're, we're groping in the dark, blinded to the Spirit, but trying to find it anyways. And as Christians, there's a lot of Christians, people that love God, love Jesus. They have become what we just read. They've become a new creation. They just don't know it because they're too busy seeing themselves through the lens of the flesh and the lens of the world and the lens of what everybody else has told them all their life who they are or who they're not or what they can be or what they cannot be. They're looking in the mirror trying to shape themselves, trying to become something, looking for somebody else to affirm them and say, yeah, that's who you are, this is who you are, this is who you can be. At the end of the day, the only thing that matters isn't what everybody else thinks about you. It's what your heavenly Father who parts the heavens and speaks over your life and says, this is my beloved son in whom i'm well pleased god is the creator of heaven and earth he's the creator of every person he's the only person he's the only being who has the right to determine who we are what our identity is and anything less than that is going to produce an identity crisis it reminds me of this story out of australia this took place about four years ago a man named gabriel Nagy. Gabriel, Gabriel Nagy was in a car accident in 1987, and as a result of the closed head injury, woke up, he was way out in the middle of nowhere, uh, but when he woke up, nobody had come on the scene yet, and he hit his head so hard, he experienced amnesia. So he woke up, the rest of his body was healthy, but he had a concussion, and he suffered from amnesia. He got out of the car, he woke up with a gaping head on his wound, and he had forgotten who he was. And he didn't know where his home was. And so he began to wander down side roads. He's out in the outback in the middle of nowhere in a very rural area. And he eventually comes upon a church. He got a job with this local pastor. At first, the pastor gave him a place to sleep out in the back of the little church that he had. He had like a work shed or, and on the back of the shed like he had a little residence. He let the guy stay there trying to help him out. Eventually, the guy just stayed there, and the local pastor gave him a job as a caretaker and provided room and food for him. And so this guy woke up every single day. He cleaned up the grounds. He cleaned up the church. He still didn't know who he was. And because they're out in the middle of a rural area, the pastor's just caring for this guy, providing room and board for him. 23 years later, the family of this man was about to sign off on his death certificate as officially dead. Up until this time, it had just been uh, missing. 
They checked one more time the medical records because they had all been digitized in Australia and they found that someone who fit their father husband's medical profile had entered the system in another part of Australia at the exact same time their father went missing. So they tracked him down, they called him and wanted to speak with him on the phone and listen to this, as soon as he heard his daughter's voice, it all came back to him. And their father, who had been missing for 23 years, immediately awakened to who he was. For 23 years, he didn't know who he was. He just woke up every day, sucked oxygen in, exhaled it, did the work that was at hand, ate the food to keep him alive, but he had no connection with a family or with his destiny or with his past or who he really was. It's an identity crisis. It took the voice of someone that he loved awakening within him his true identity. And it takes the voice of our Father, the voice of our God speaking over our lives to awaken this new creation identity, an understanding of who we are in God. Because listen, you can live on this planet for 80 or 90 years and not be living in your identity or living in your destiny that God created for you. You can be living with somebody else's sticker on you, somebody else's label on you, somebody else's definition on you. You can be driven by your impulses. You can be driven by culture. You can be driven by all kinds of things. But at the end of the day, what a terrible thing it would be for us to come to the end of our life, stand before Almighty God, and Him to say, you lived as this, you lived lower than your privilege, you lived according to the flesh, you existed for 80, 90 years of your life, but over here is a picture of who I created you to be. And if you had understood this, you would have been able to accomplish this, which is the reason I put you on the planet in the first place. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live my life just repeating a 24-hour cycle for 80, 90 years. And at the end of my life, the world is no different. My life hasn't made an impact, and I've missed out on why I was here. It's not, you can't know why you're here until you know who you are. And the Bible says that you are a new creation. You know, we're told that what we don't know can't hurt us, but Hosea 4.6 says this, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So when we don't get this, well, I know I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven, but listen, you were saved for more than just getting to heaven. You were saved so heaven could get to the earth through you. You see, if it was just about getting you saved, forgiving your sins so you can go to heaven, when Pastor Jeremy baptized you, he would just hold you underwater until the bubbles stopped coming up. And we would glorify the Lord because another saint has made it to heaven. Why, why bring you back up and let you mess things up? <laughs> but the fact that you were baptized, the Bible says when you're baptized in water, you're burying the old man, identifying with Jesus in his death and his burial. But that's not where it ends, is it? It says that we come up in the newness of life new creation so you come up resurrected the old you is dead and buried the new you that is in christ is brought up in the newness of life so that you can live the life god created you to live as the person god always desired and destined you to be i love the dean translation of second corinthians it says that a true christian is not merely a man altered but a man remade a man or a woman remade. 
a new creation. God doesn't just fix you at the moment of salvation. He doesn't just improve you. He doesn't just dust you off. The Bible says you become a brand new species of creature that has never existed before. A human being who's righteous before God, filled with the Holy Spirit, destiny in place, called beloved by God. No devil in hell can ever steal that from you. You were created, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says, you're acting like children and you're acting like mere men. Think about that for a second. Paul's writing to people that in the flesh are just mere men. But Paul says, you're acting like mere men. The, the, re, the reciprocating answer to that is, well, what are we if we're not mere men? He, says, he reminds them, he says, don't you know that there's going to come a day when you will judge angels? He says, you don't realize who you are. I think if we, right now, if we were to be able to pull this screen back away from the, the three dimensions that you and I are used to and see into the spirit dimension and see the kingdom of God, see the demonic realm, the angelic realm, the kingdom of God, and be able to see how God sees you, how the devil sees the potential of you, how every demon in hell sees the potential of you as a new creation, child of God, a king and a queen, royalty, I think it would change the way that we live our lives. But you see, the devil wants to keep you blinded to that. He wants to keep you deceived to that. He wants to give you another label, another title, another name. He wants to mess things up in your identity, mess things up in who you see yourself as. Because as long as you're living in a lie, you're a captive in chains and in bondage, and you can't fight while your hands are in shackles. But if you ever awaken, hear the voice of the Lord speak over your life and realize who you are, and it all begins to come back to you. The word begins to come back to you. Everything will begin to change in your life. We don't realize that in Christ everything has changed. Everything has changed. The old has passed away. The new has come. Psalm 103 says that your sin is gone. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Your old identity is dead. You are now in Christ. You have a new nature, a new identity, a new history, and a new destiny. I love this. You see that in Christ, you are not defined by who you used to be. You're not shamed by who you should have been, but you're set free to be who you were always meant to be. In Christ, you are set free to be who you were always meant to be. You get more than a clean slate when you come into Jesus Christ. You, you're given a new life. More than a clean slate. It's more than just God erasing all the mess-ups and forgiving it and saying, all right, now this is your new starting point. Now you better live right for the rest of, you know, you better just get everything right. You see, you get a brand new life. You go from being a slave to a son. You go from being a prisoner to reigning royalty, reigning in life. You go from someone who is on the, in the process of death to someone who is now living in the process of life. You go from a prison cell to a throne. You go from being destined to dwell under the earth to being seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's who you become in Christ. Romans 6 says, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. That's the old you. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. You see, the Christian identity in Christ is more than just about a momentary 
decisions, kind of like some poetic way that God sees you and how he loves you. Oh, I kind of, now you're my son. Okay, now, you know, everything's good. You got a clean slate and move on. It says that we're supposed to walk in the newness of life, which means live that out every day. Live, out, live, live in a new way. Our old way was based in death, driven by our basest nature, our sin nature. Nobody likes to talk about sin nature. It's like, hey, build me up. Tell me what an awesome person I am. Well, you are an awesome person in Jesus, but without Jesus, you're an awful person. <laughs> you're, don't smile at me, because you know it's true. We're, we're, all, we're all awful. None of us were born in this world as saints. Amen. You're born again into sainthood. Our basis nature is driven by instinct and sin and death and selfishness. How many know you don't have to teach a child how to say no? <laughs> I have three kids. My youngest is about to go to college uh, this next year. Uh, but when they were little, nobody had to sit, sit your kids down and say, okay, now here's what I want you to say. You have to have proper boundaries in your life. So when your brother or sister asks you to share your toy, I want you to say No. You don't have to teach your kids that. Kids are just born. It's like, Google, Gaga, Daddy. And you're just like, that's right. Daddy loves you. You're awesome. You sit them up and they're so cute. And then your, your other child comes over and says, oh, can I play with that? Mine. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, 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 mine. No. Now you got to share. No. And they scream and they cry. It's like, the precious. <laughs> he steals it from us. No, the precious, that's right, the precious. <laughs> you can tell I've watched way too many movies. <laughs> Nobody teaches a child to be selfish. Why? Because we're born selfish. We're born into sin. We're born messed up. God loves us. That's why he sent Jesus to save us from ourselves. And to save us from our sin. That old nature has to die. Why? So that God's nature can come to life on the inside of us. We've been given more than a clean slate. You've been given more than a pass. You've received a brand new nature. A new nature. That's what Jesus does for us. 2 Peter 1 says, As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him, who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given to, which has been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. See, think about that for a second. God has great and precious promises. Everything you need in life and godliness has been already given to you and to me in Christ. What does that mean? It means everything you need for you, everything that you need to accomplish the destiny and the purpose that God wrote for you before you ever had a name has already been granted to you. But God only releases it in our lives to the degree that we're walking in His plan for our life. I want you to know something you probably don't have never thought of, and it's this, that before you ever took your first breath, God knew you. Before you had a name, you had a purpose. God in eternity past purposed you and said, in Ann Arbor or wherever, you know, southeast Michigan, 
in the year 2016. I need someone, a son, a daughter of mine who will live in that area, who will be able to accomplish this piece of my eternal puzzle with these other people here, and they've got to have this personality, these experiences, this talent, this perspective, this level of influence, look like this, talk like this, be there in order to raise this family, do this job, serve in this church, and a holy tapestry was created in the mind and in the heart of God for this time and his purpose. And he worked backwards, from the big picture backwards, and part of the puzzle was someone that looks, acts, has your story just like you. That's why Ephesians 2 says that you are God's workmanship. And God then decided, he says, I need this person over here just like this. And at the right time, at the right moment, you were born into this world to accomplish that purpose. And God has had his Holy Spirit tracking you down from day one to pull you back to him so that he could reveal to you who you are so that you could walk in the destiny that he has for you and destroy the works of the enemy, rule and reign in life, and to establish the kingdom of God. And you see the, isn't that awesome? But if all you believe is, well, I'm just here by random chance. You know, mom and dad decide to have another kid. Here I am. God just looks at me and says, well, you've really messed things up. You know, some, some people have purpose. You know, Billy Graham had a purpose. And, and Mother Teresa had a purpose. And, you know, people like that, those, those are like special people. But when the assembly line in heaven went by and I came by, an angel must have gotten God's attention, drawn him away, and I slipped by. And then God realized that I got by without a destiny, gifts, or purpose. And he just said, well, don't mess with them. They're not going to screw anything up. Just let them go there. And now God just kind of looks at you and says, well, suck oxygen, drink Coke products, go to Starbucks, do whatever you got to do. Zingerman's, good coffee around here. And uh, just leave them alone. They're not going to mess anything up. And hopefully, you know, when they die, they'll make it in. If you live your life thinking you're just random by chance, have no purpose, in that void, let me tell you, somebody else will tell you who you are. The enemy of your soul, who Jesus said, comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's exactly what he'll do in your life. He'll come and he'll... The Bible says he's the father of lies. So he'll come and lie to you and say, you're a mistake. You're messed up. You're somebody else. You'd be happy if you did this or if you were this. And then he gradually begins to steal from you the joy of life, your connection with God. Then he begins to kill day by day. Ultimately, he just destroys your life. That's his blueprint for your future and it all starts with deception if he can get you to believe the lie you know what if you give your life to god all your all everything all your fun's going to be over you know what you're the master of your own domain don't let anybody else tell you who you are you determine who you are who do you want to be you just go ahead and determine who you want to be and you know you just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you just go out and do that nobody can tell you who you are listen nobody on this planet can tell you who you are no demon in hell can tell you who you are but the creator god who loved you and gave his son for you does have not only does he have the right but he has the truth to tell you who you are and who you are in his sight is so much better than anything that this world could ever define you as i promise you you are a new creation 
So you can't live a double life. You can't live with two passports. You can't have a passport in the kingdom of God and a passport in this world. You can't have a passport that's stamped with sin and a passport that's stamped with righteousness. You've got to dump one of your passports. One identity must die. You've got to choose. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that lives, but Christ Jesus who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Got news for you this morning. Jesus wants you dead. Does that shock you? He wants you dead so that He can live in you and through you. The old you, the old you, I don't have this in my notes, but I'm going to turn there in my paper Bible. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 says, Put off your old self. Dump the old passport. Listen to this. Which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. That's the lie of the enemy. He always works through your desires. He always works through your cravings and uses it against you to deceive you to get you to live in a false identity. He says, which belongs to your former manner of life, which is corrupt through deceitful desires. And then here's the call. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Dump, you got to dump one of the passports. You, you, you got to dump the passport stamped with sin that is filled with deception, decay, and corruption that will steal, kill, and destroy from you. That old self that is driven by you, where you're the captain of it, where you make all of your decisions, where you're motivated and moved by your lowest basis feelings of pride and self and lust and greed and hate and racism and all all these things that in our world right now are causing so many different problems. All they are is the deceitful, driven lusts of fallen men and women. We got more education, more money. We got more tools than we've ever had on the planet. We're connected to everyone all at the same time. You can get everywhere on the planet within 24 hours, and yet we are more jacked up than we've ever been on this planet, my friend. It's because we're all living on this planet with an old passport, fighting for our old self. It's time for us, it's time for the body of Christ to dump the old passport and begin to live in the new self. And anyone who is not in Christ... God's an equal opportunity identifier. He says, if you like that old identity, you can keep that old identity. But here's where it goes. Or you can come through the door of my son Jesus and let me wash you, let me cleanse you, let me remake you into a righteous version of who I've always created you to be, a new creation. Let me remake you. That's why Jesus wants you dead, because you can't live two lives. You can't live one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in the world. Walking one, you know, Monday through Saturday with your old passport, and then on Sunday you dust off the kingdom of God passport. 
Don't wave hankies at me because you know. (laughs) Selah. All right. God loved me and gave himself for me. I want you to think about that. Romans 6, 8 says that if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. And likewise, now here's the key. You also reckon yourself, consider yourself to be dead indeed to sin. But alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, the cross is the great exchange. Jesus on the cross, as we read at the very beginning, it says, he who knew no sin became sin. How many have sinned in this room before? Raise your hand if you've sinned. If you don't raise your hand right now, you just sinned. (laughs) So raise it high, come on. I want you to look around. We're in this together, guys. We've all sinned. Put your hands down. You know the only person who's ever not sinned was Jesus. And yet he went to the cross and all those sins that we just raised our hands, the millions of sins that are represented by that one hand and all the other ones on this planet by every single human being, all those sins, sins sometimes are by omission or by commission. We steal, we lie, we hurt, we wound. Those are commission. Sins are also omission. Living short of truth living under deception all of those sins were put on jesus while he was hanging on the cross and the one who never knew sin didn't the bible doesn't say he took sin it does say that elsewhere but here it says he became sin why was it important that he become sin he identified as our sin so that when he died our sin died Past, present, future. But when he rose from the dead, when he overcame on the third day, rose again, he rose never to die again. He overcame the power of death and the sentence of death against our sin. And the Bible says that just as he rose from the dead, any one of us who place our faith in Christ Jesus, we take the passport of the kingdom of God and say, this is who I want to be. And I submit my life to you. I'm not submitting to my lust. I'm not submitting to my own desire, my own perspective. I'm not submitting to culture. I'm not going to let the media put their labels on me, any brand on me. I'm not going to let my nationality put a brand on me. I'm not going to let you know, any of these issue-oriented things put their label on me. I toss that sin-ridden, stamped, cursed old identity down and say it's dead because it died with Jesus. And today I say that I'm brand new, I'm alive, and the only one I'm going to let define who I am, what I do, how I live, is the one who gave his life for me. And the one who rose victoriously. You see, today you have to ask yourself the question, who will you choose to obey? Because whoever you choose to obey becomes your master. Sin and Satan want to use fear and manipulation against you. But God wants to give you a brand new identity. 
He wants you to awaken to who you are in Christ. That's why the Word of God is so important. That's why this book is so dangerous. You know, this, this book was just rated the most dangerous book in the world. Which, there are librarians in our culture who right now feel that the Bible is a, is a dangerous book. And they're absolutely right. It's a dangerous book because if humanity ever realizes who they were created to be and ever gets a connection with their creator and begins to get absorbed in the truth, the word that is spirit and in truth, and it gets on the inside of us, it'll be like that man who hears the voice of his daughter. It's all going to come back to us. It's all going to come back to us. We're going to realize who we are and the devil's going to look so small. This world's going to look so temporal. God's going to look so big. The kingdom of God's so pervasive and powerful. And we're going to begin to see transformation take place. Not only in our own life, but in our community and our culture. You see, I kind of hope they make the Bible illegal. See, because anytime we, anytime we make something illegal, we put a demand on it. Can you imagine kids in the hallway? Hey, come on over here. I got some good stuff. I got some ESV. <laughs> Meet me out back. I mean, devil wants to make it illegal for bad reasons. I think he, I, I, it might actually be a good thing. Might create a cultural revolution that takes place. I don't know. Anyway, stand up with me if you would this morning. Say this with me. If you today are a believer in Jesus, I want you to just say this with me. Say, I am a new creation the old is past all things are new i am who god says i am god's workmanship created for good works that's who you are that's who you are and today if you're here and you're not a believer in jesus doesn't mean you're a second class anybody just means that you need a phone call and to hear the voice of your father speak over your heart and say you know you thought the whole time that you've been on this planet alone but i've always had my eye on you i knew you before you took your first breath and it's no accident that you are here today god loves you you say well you don't know what i've done it doesn't matter all that you've done all that shame all those labels all those lies Jesus paid for them all. You don't have to carry them around anymore. You can be free from them. All of your hang-ups, you can be free from those today. Jesus wants to save you, rescue you, and give you a brand new identity. I want you to just bow your heads with me over the, all over this room, if you would. Today, I believe the Spirit of God is here to bring life and transformation. And you may be here today and say, you know, I, I know in my heart I'm not right with God. I'm, maybe today you're here and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. You never have stepped out of darkness into life by confessing that you believe that Jesus bore your sins on the cross and that he did rise from the dead and that you want him to come and give you a brand new nature. You want to become a child of God. Today, that might be you. Second of all, you may be here today and say, you know, I've maybe grown up in church, believed in God, said a prayer, but I'm walking around with two sets of passports. And you know what? I know I'm not right with God because I'm living more out of the old passport than I am in the new. Today, in either one of those cases, God's calling you home to make a decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. For real. 
to turn from your sin, to turn from your old nature, to turn from what any other label you've been living under, and to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life. All over this room, I'm looking around, and I, wanna, I want you to take a step of faith. Today, if you say, you know what, Pastor Lee, I know I need to get my life right with God, pray for me. Right now, without hesitation, just lift up your hand, representing your faith statement. Thank you, 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 thank you. Come on, raise it right now. He's going to do it. It's for you. Don't be lied to. Don't miss out on it. See your hand. See yours. God bless you. I want everyone in this room to say this out loud. Romans tells us if we believe in our heart in the Lord Jesus Christ, that God raised him from the dead, and we confess him with our mouth, we will be saved. So everyone say this together. Say, Heavenly Father, Father, I come in Jesus' name, and I believe believe that my sins sins were paid for on the cross, cross. that Jesus rose from the dead dead to give me eternal life. And today, today I I submit, Jesus, you are Lord. Come and save me. Wash all my sin away. And make me a new creation. Speak over my life. That I am your son. That I am your daughter. That I belong to you. And from this day forward, I choose to follow you. No turning back. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. And we are so proud of you. I'm going to let Pastor Jeremy take it from here. But guys, it has been such a privilege to be here with you. We love you so much. Keep up the good work. Greater things are still to come.